Welcome one and all to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss X-Men. Hey, they're not the all-new, all-different X-Men this time. How about that? Number 104, the April 1977 issue titled, The Gentleman's Name is Magneto. I betcha Magneto is going to be in this issue. No, man. No way. <laughs> no? All right. Well, there's a guy that's uh, dressed in a red suit and purple tights looking much like Magneto that the X-Men are fighting against. So I'm going to maintain my original statement that I bet you Magneto's in this issue. This cover is a reinterpretation of X-Men number one. Yeah, and it's kind of cheesy if you ask me. And... uh Banshee doesn't get props on this cover. You're right, he doesn't. Because they only needed five X-Men to make up the original five X-Men. I suppose. Yeah, so you got Storm flying in, you got Nightcrawler. Do you actually have the issue one cover handy so you can say who's doing what? I'm looking at it right now. Well, who's doing what, Adam? Uh, Well, Magneto is standing in for Magneto. Is this the same pose as issue one? Nope. Okay. Uh, it's a very similar pose, but he's actually facing the camera. Well, he's kind of half facing the camera in this cover. Right. And in the original, he's facing the X-Men. So oh, we can't okay. even see what he looks like at all. Okay. Um, Iceman is throwing some ice uh, balls at him. Mm-hmm. And he has been replaced by Wolverine, who is slashing at his magnetic shield. Cyclops remains Cyclops, which I think they should have replaced Cyclops with Banshee. Sure, why not? Yeah. He could have been Sonic screaming him. Ah! That would have worked. Uh, Marvel Girl is standing pointlessly in the background, as is Colossus. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly, Beast is swinging in on some sort of high wire uh, thing holding on to it with his hands, but Nightcrawler is holding on to something that's more of a ring mm-hmm. with uh, with his tail. It's very similar, but you get the idea. And Angel is flying in with a bazooka. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and he's been replaced by Storm, who is blasting Magneto with a lightning bolt. I think it would have been awesome if they would have given Storm the bazooka. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's funny, actually. In issue one, I don't even think Angel ever gets a bazooka, let alone gets to fire. It only, it's only present in the cover. Yeah, it is kind of bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess even back then they were kind of like, God, Angel's so stupid. All he can do is fly around. Let's give him a giant gun. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the cover. The background is just some oddly choice, uh, odd choice of yellow and orange. What's the background in X-Men number one? Uh, it's, it's white. Hmm. Um, although there is, uh, if you see beneath Colossus's legs, there's a line of where the floor would or where the, where the ground is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's straight off of the original cover too. There, there is a floor in the original cover that is like purple. And this is from 1977. Yep. Hmm. It's interesting. It had to happen. The new X-Men against Magneto, Earth's most powerful supervillain. But he's a baby. That's true. <laughs> no, the other thing that I'm kind of curious about is why they did. I mean, 
I understand why they chose to do this cover the way that they're doing it as kind of props to the original issue, but don't you think that they would they should have saved this for like an anniversary of some sort? Maybe it is an anniversary. Well, the first issue of X-Men wasn't in 1967. No, it's in 1963, so it's the 14-year anniversary. <laughs> was it April 1963? No, I think it was December <laughs> or something like that. So it's, you know, it's 14 and a quarter year anniversary, something like that. 13 and something. <laughs> okay, well, as anyways, as we open up this book, we see that it is a Claremont-Cockrum joint inked by Sam Granger, lettered by Patterson. And I'm colored by A. Yonkis. And I'm I'm also colored by A. Yonkis. How about that? We agree. Hey, hooray. Did and you switch to a different Masterworks book? Same Masterworks. Oh, weird. Yeah, definitely. So have I always been this A. Yonkis person? Have you? Yeah. Or have I? Oh no, I was John No, yeah, I've been I've been Yankus this whole time and you've been somebody else in the previous issues. So I've been Janice Cohen. So either we're I wonder who the original colorist is is. Yeah, my my uh my digital version also says A Yankus. Oh, okay. So the original was done by A Yankus. So finally everything is in alignment. Uh, interestingly enough, I just took a quick glance at the Essential X-Men's, which are in black and white, and they've blanked out the colorist. Oh, yeah. well, that makes sense. It totally makes sense, because they're not colored. Okay, anyhow, uh, it looks like they're, uh, the X-Men are recovering from their fight with the Juggernaut and Black Tom that they just had, and uh, they're going to head back uh, in a hovercraft. But But they're actually not heading back. Because as it turns out, we're in the middle of an action scene, and Moira McTaggart has called the X-Men and said, Oi, laddies, get your begotten buttocks over to me lab. Yeah, but for some reason, the dock master, or the person who rents boats, who for some reason has a hovercraft, which is pretty awesome, uh, <laughs> won't let these costumed crazies rent his hovercraft, which... Look, I gotta be honest. I wouldn't let a bunch of costumed crazies rent my uh, hovercraft either. Why? What do you got against costumed crazies? So these, there's a bunch of kids. They wanna, they're wearing all these crazy costumes, and they want to go out in your boat. Why? Why do you have a problem with them? Well, first of all, take a look at Nightcrawler and how he's creepily looking at the citizens. <laughs> That's true. He is speaking <laughs> some German there. Guten Morgen, meine Herren. It's a beautiful day, is it not? But it's not even that. It's just look at the expression on his face. He looks like a child. Um, he looks like a child molester. No, he's come on. He's being uh, cheeky. He's being like, I'm kind of crazy. Look at me. I'm a blue guy that you're clearly afraid of. So I'm gonna push my but push your buttons. Um, he looks like he's being a, a, a cocky guy. He's being cocky. Good morning, mein Herren. Which means good morning, my men. <laughs> now come on <laughs> he's giving him that creepy look and being like good morning my man that's gotta be a bad uh just bad choice of <laughs> of german somebody doesn't know what that meant or something dinner answer you deutsch beastie lad just keep your eyes front and keep walking as if none was happening wow some thick this guy looks Scottish like there. yep well why because he's wearing the... green and he's smoking a pipe yeah <laughs> I was no, because his hair is the same color. 
And he's wearing green. It was definitely the green, but he does have a big mustache. Mm. The other guy with him is like, but mister, it's got pointy ears and teeth and a tail. Have, is it established that Nightcrawler's got pointy teeth yet? I guess it must be. Hmm. Okay. Well, so we turn the page, and uh, actually the scuffle between the rental person and Banshee was because Banshee was a little upset because Moira had set up this um, hovercraft rental. But the boatmaster here is like, no, you guys are costume freaks, and I'm not renting to you. So uh, my deal was with Moira and not you, so get bent. And also, I'm not going to give you your money back (laughs) because you've tied up my time. This guy's a jerk. And that's when Colossus steps in and says, Comrade, since you intend to keep our money, it seems only fair that we keep your hovercraft boat, Nyet. Nyet. And then they get into it and they steal it. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, they're not screwing around. We get a mention here that uh, 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 Jamie Madrox is looking after things while Moira is with the X-Men. So we're learning that there's something up with Moira. Yeah, remember Jamie Madrox? I do, from Fantastic Four Annual Number 4. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's back. And so he's... They, they pick up this guy. They, they take the boat, but they, they pick up the guy and put him on like a hook on the side of his boat rental, and they obviously leave their money with him. Why didn't they just take their money? Well, the money's spilling out of his pockets, kind of. First of all, it's a boat rental. It is not fair that they <laughs> like they paid him for a rental. It's not fair that they get to keep the boat. Well, especially not after what happens next, because as they're heading off towards the island, it explodes. That is true. I hope that Moira bought the insurance plan. Well, it, it doesn't matter because it's their boat now. Oh, good point. Because they stole it. Uh, not only that, but. They, it explodes, and somehow through this explosion, first of all, nobody's hurt, which is nice. But secondly, Storm ends up upside down somehow. Well, she has the power of flight, so she's light. No, no, no. She's not flying here. She's been flung upside down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Wolverine points out that it's coming apart at the seams. We're, we're going into the drink. Scratch! <laughs> And some minutes later, they're all climbing ashore to the, what is it, an island? Is that where they're going? It's an island. And I got to be honest, Adam, I really wonder what happened between that scratch and them climbing up on the island. Don't you? No. Oh, yeah. Actually, neither do I. Yeah, I forget I said that. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, they climb up up on the island and they're wondering, uh, um, why... Why is it every time we take a ride in something mechanical, it crashes, Nightcrawler wonders. And Wolverine's ears are bent, and he looks kind of (laughs) goofy. Yeah, they really haven't quite figured Wolverine out yet. They're just, like, making fun of him. Kind of, yeah. Banshee points out that the night the... uh... Banshee points out that the hovercraft did not explode, but rather everything metal came alive and the ship literally tore itself to pieces. Weird. Colossus is kind of having an an inner monologue with himself, wondering why they're going from one attack to another fight, perhaps to the death. Life was so much simpler on the Utsd-Ordansky collective. Yet I would not give up friends like these for... Look there, comrades! For what? (laughs) For cheese. (laughs) I would not give them up for a piece of cheese, no matter how delicious it Oh, look there, comrades! 
<laughs> and uh, I don't know why they didn't notice it in the first place because there's this giant laboratory that's about six feet away from the shore that they just crawled up on, but they're all like really surprised. Because it just appeared out of the mountain. Oh, is literally what the drawing looks like. <laughs> Gloria, I never dreamed it'd be that big. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> um, so Nightcrawler is starting to wonder, well, Moira gave all of this up and a professorship in Edinburgh to become housekeeper? Well, there's, first... something, there's something fishy about this woman. It's, it's Banshee that wonders that, and it's pronounced Edinburgh. Oh. Did you know that? Uh, no. No, because neither did I until I had read the X-Men and had been corrected when I also oh, yeah. called it Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> when did this happen? Were you discussing it? Were you reading this out loud to someone? Well, yeah. It was in like fifth grade. And I think I was talking to my parents about this cool story that was happening in Edinburgh. And they're like, where's Edinburgh? And I was like, I don't know, Scotland? They're like, Edinburgh. Like, oh. Of course, maybe that's incorrect. <laughs> I've never actually validated this with hard facts from a pronunciation guide. But we do have some Scottish fans, and they could let us know how it's pronounced. Oh, they just lost some. No, oh. <laughs> they, they already tuned out like, oh, blimey. Did you hear <laughs> how he... lost a few more. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear how he called our city? We're done. We're done with this podcast. <laughs> so Colossus goes running in. He's going to charge in to figure out what's going on because uh, Banshee tells him to. And he ends up running into an invisible wall, a force field, a dome, a solidified air pinning us to this beach. Ugh, making us sitting ducks. And that would be a problem, except instead what happens is the ground underneath their feet rises up and at breakneck, break, breakneck speed uh, hurls them towards the outer wall of the lab. Um, and strangely enough, it must be so fast that, well, Storm and Banshee refuse to fly. <laughs> and Colossus isn't a problem because we know he can hit things at fast speeds. Uh, Nightcrawler doesn't think to teleport. And Wolverine... Well, I guess he, someone, somebody could have picked him up. Yeah. My point is, Banshee's plan that the only chance we have is to punch a hole through it, through, through the wall before the impact smashes us to a pulp is crazy. It is. As it's a stupid plan. <laughs> as they're hurtling towards the metal wall, rather than do everything you just said, his plan is to use all of their powers to punch a hole in the wall. And they do, and you see it, and you see, okay, so Banshee screams at the wall. Storm probably shoots lightning at it. Colossus punches it. Wolverine is, like, clawing at it, and Nightcrawler <laughs> is swiping at it. Like, I'm sorry. Nightcrawler's in the background. He's completely ineffective. He's, like, <laughs> he's he's swiping at the debris that's flying in his face. Wait! Ah! Ach, don't worry, my friends. I will clear out the debris. Yes, that's exa it's a cool pose for Nightcrawler, though. He looks badass, but, yeah, he's completely doing nothing. <laughs> but they did it! Oh, only, only just, because if they'd been going a bit faster or if the walls would have been a bit thicker, you know, there's a lot of mid-thought uh, thought changes here, but he changes thought to, you know, there's something terribly familiar about these patterns of attacks, but 
The only person I know with powers to pull him off is... Dot, dot, dot. A lot closer than you think, Banshee, says the word caption. Yeah, we should be mentioning caption. We should be mentioning that the narration has been speaking back to the comic characters quite a bit in this issue. That's the Claremont way. No, he he loses that after a while. I hope because <laughs> it's kind of annoying. The uh, the door in front of them glows white hot and explodes rather than just opens. And behind it is Magneto. And so, greetings, X. Greetings, X Men. <laughs> I bid you welcome to the final site of the site of your final. Uh, I got to do that. <laughs> Was that his voice? I, I. It's been so long. I can't remember. I didn't we give him the Batman voice. Yeah, I we, don't know. We may, we may have changed it at some point. When he has the helmet on, he might have the Batman voice. <laughs> So it, this is where I question whether or not Chris Claremont was actually writing these issues because it really reads like a uh, Roy Thomas story. Well, I think maybe maybe this is more of a maybe this is one that Cockrum did a little bit more of, and that's why things keep exploding. <laughs> You are going to die here, mutants, and not all your powers nor your skills can save you from my wrath. Look on me, X-Men, for I am your oldest, deadliest foe, master of the Legion of Evil Mutants, and soon to be lord of the of all the world. I am Magneto! Once again, just kind of a cartoony character of an evil villain. Well, you know, picking up where they left off, I mean, this is this is Magneto as we know him so far. He literally says that he's the master of the Legion of Evil Mutants. Interesting. <laughs> I I I just like it, doesn't he think he's right and good and like why would he think he's evil? Why is he calling himself evil? Because this is Magneto so far. This is the this is, Magneto is not we 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 have yet to establish the idea that he has a nobler goal. He just everything that he's done so far has been to just take over the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a retcon in there somewhere that'll take care of that. But uh, anyways, as we move on, we see that a jet is landing also on this island, and uh, we're told by the narration bubble that it's a very familiar aircraft. The last of a set of two, apparently, and it's the same airplane as we. Blew up, I think, in what, giant-sized X... Or no, X-Men 94. Well, they better not destroy this one, then. <laughs> yeah, and haven't they been flying around in other things because they couldn't find a ride for a while? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> this seemed to kind of come out of nowhere, but... Uh, whatever. Yeah, it seems like it... Well, it's it's like one of the many unnecessary things of, of late. We... Un- Magneto unnecessarily destroyed their boat. Yeah. Magneto unnecessarily locked them out of the tower in order to bring them into the tower a different way. Mm-hmm. And then nearly killed them mm-hmm. unnecessarily. <laughs> and then unnecessarily destroyed the door. Good point. This issue is brought to you by the word unnecessary. Yeah, most most of this yeah, mo- most of this up until now is and the number 104. Cyclops and Moira. And Moira, by the way, is wearing an unnecessary costume. <laughs> this is These are her battle fatigues. <laughs> she's, a, she's not a mutant, though. She's a like a doctor, whatever the heck she is. But she's a mutant doctor. <laughs> she's not a mutant. Well, she's a... No, but she's a mutant doctor. She's a doctor of mutants. <laughs> uh, so they've arrived on the island. And I help me out, Adam, but... 
Wasn't the last thing that um, Cyclops said the professor is, damn you, I'm not going anywhere? Yeah, but I guess... See, I had the same problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last thing he said was, you know, the X-Men, they're on their own. I'm not going to go help. But apparently when Magneto's involved, Cyclops is like... He doesn't know that Magneto's involved yet, though. Oh, you're right. We don't find that out for three more panels, which is way after this airplane has landed. So for some reason between, oh, you cursed cur, and you're a horrible ingrate, uh, and, and now Cyclops is like, oh, maybe the old man, maybe the old man's right. I should head out to Scotland. Well, he does say, I've been with the professor since the beginning, and this is the first I've heard of your mutant research center. I've heard of, I've seen secretly before, lady, but this... This takes the cake. A complex designed to cage the most dangerous mutants in existence? Now hold the phone. I thought that that was what the mansion's basement was for. <laughs> right? That's where we had the juggernaut for a bunch of years. Well, yeah. The juggernaut, well, the professor had to do research on the juggernaut, so that's why he was in there. Okay. What I want to know is how come the juggernaut wasn't in there when he escaped? Like, most recently. What prison was he in with Black Tom? We don't know. We we never... Ha- Maybe we find out, but we don't know yet. We were not told. Some, hmm. Somehow I don't think we ever do find out. Because remember, he had that whole thing like, don't you want to know everything in the secret plot? Well, I'm not going to tell you. And then they just moved on, which is actually kind of nice because most of the times, you know, the bad guys just give away the plot and then stuff and junk. Maybe Jean Grey has recovered enough that she's like, yeah, why don't you go, Scott? I'm okay. You look bored. <laughs> and he was like, all right, fine. <laughs> so Moira reveals that the idea behind this mutant research uh, complex is to cure their hatred for humanity. And we also discover that this is Moira's life's work. And she started it when Charles and her were students together. And they run past a cage that has Eunice in it. Oh, yeah, they do. Labeled secret or something. I didn't even catch that earlier. It says (laughs) Eunice. So Moira, to me, looks like she's about 26. Look at her in the fourth panel. She's tiny. Cyclops is huge. Yeah, she looks like a 15-year-old girl in that panel. (laughs) But she looks young. She doesn't look like a 40-year-old woman, does she? Mm Mm-mm. And so the professor in issue one, again, was this old man with a blanket over his legs. And now we're led to believe that he went to school with Moira. The professor just looks old. (laughs) Okay. And acts old sometimes? Yeah, you know, he was, uh, it's part of his mutant ability is to grow and shrink. Okay. (laughs) Or age and de-age. So Cyclops uh, hopes that none of the quote-unquote guests have busted free. And Uh-oh. Little, little, uh, yeah, Moira's like, of course they haven't, Cyclops. Look, someone's lying in the shadows, so everything's fine. And it's Jamie Madrox. Forget about that guy in the green uniform laying in the corner. Nobody's escaped. Maybe he just passed out. I mean, the whole reason they brought him here is because he hasn't, well, she is worried because Jamie didn't contact her. It doesn't really say how long it's been since he contacted her, but I got the I got the feeling it was like it's been a while. Yeah. 
So he's just been lying on the floor. And and Moira sees him there unconscious, and she's like, oh, he just must have passed out. He's been unconscious for weeks. And uh, <laughs> as soon as Moira and Cyclops come in, he's like, oh, no, what have you done? If you've brought the X-Men here, you've murdered them. Let me explain. Wait, wait, let me back up a second. Yeah, yeah. I was making my morning rounds. So, like, this morning? <laughs> As of two weeks ago. I've been laying here for a long time. <laughs> so, like, he hasn't contacted her for, like, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> well. She's really a very motherly. <laughs> we have to get to Scotland. It's been eight hours since Madrox called me. Fire up that second jet. I don't care how much it costs. So, he gets, Jamie gets ambushed by Havoc, Polaris, and Eric the Red. Oh, remember them? I do. Finally, we're tying it all back together. Somehow they'd gotten past the automatic security systems. They went straight for the cell we've had Magneto in ever since he turned into a baby. Okay, why do they have baby Magneto in a cell? <laughs> it is kind of awkward because there's ba- baby Magneto who looks all happy playing with like a teddy monkey. In a cell. Why do you put a baby in a cell? Does that mean they have like baby blob and baby all the other ones have their own individual cells? This is what I want to know. Where are baby blob, baby mastermind, and who else did we have? Baby toad? No, there was no toad there, was there? I don't remember. We definitely had baby blob and baby mastermind and, and baby magneto. But yeah, they are not in this same cell and nor do they appear in this issue. And why are they in cells? They should be in their. They could have. They just could have called it their room, and I wouldn't have had this problem. Because then they would be. It would imply, be implying that they were like training them to be good citizens of the world. Maybe help them use their mutant powers. I I don't know. Wouldn't you like if 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 he's a baby? Then presumably he doesn't remember anything about his past. All of the horrible things that he has done. So couldn't you just put him into like social services and have him adopted out to a really nice family? And hopefully he has a, he just gets raised as a child and there you go. I would think so, but I guess not. I guess he retained all of his memory. Well, <laughs> he's like a ticked off little kid. So then we get Eric sounded pressed for time, almost scared. He gestured some sort of ray zapping out from his hand towards the baby and in seconds magneto was a full-grown man okay eric sounded pressed for time now we go to the next panel they talked all day (laughs) eric suggesting an alliance eric is sitting in a chair he's got his legs crossed he's totally cool magneto is fist pumping they talked all day because he's pressed for time yeah it's literally like he's waiting for somebody to bring him a lemonade and refill his chip (laughs) bowl get him some more dip i mean he's not going anywhere for a while Get me some dip, Magneto. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will fist pump at you. You were the one who finished it, and he who finishes it must replenish it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric suggested an alliance against the X-Men, a two-pronged attack. Magneto was furious, humiliated being a baby in Xavier's hands. He wanted vengeance. My God, Magneto, a grown man, probably at the peak of his powers. Now, in my eyes, Magneto hasn't been at the peak of his powers since he was manipulating people with their, like, manipulating people's mind, minds with their, like, his his control of the iron in their brain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. In, in Avengers. I mean, he lost that ability. I'm, I was really hoping that this uh, 
uh, baby to adult story would be longer and would also maybe address some of these inconsistencies and say that, oh, the reversion from baby to man or man to baby and baby to man, I've lost these mental powers that I had and I, I can't control the, the blood iron streams and minds anymore. Yeah, those mental powers is a whole other thing. Like, we'll never hear about that again, probably. Right, so... But we can we can presume that when he got shrunk into a baby and regrown, that in that process, he lost his mental powers, and I don't, I don't, and I don't know why he lost his ability to control the brain, because that was that was like a magnetic base power. We can we can you know we can assume all of that, but it just seems to me like there's four panels here that really could have been fleshed out into like a whole. It could have been a whole issue, like a really cool issue of Magneto dealing with the fact that he was a baby and then he was suddenly an adult. All of these thoughts come rushing back to him and he's questioning his his uh, uh, place in life and he's experimenting with his powers. And maybe he discovers that he's got a little bit more magnetic control, but for some reason he doesn't have his mental powers. And because he doesn't have his mental powers, he feels cut off. He's like depressed about that. I mean... You could have done a lot of, and then throw a fight in there somewhere, of course. But you could have done a lot with this. But yeah, but that would have been cool. See, and but that's why I. It's like I don't think Chris Claremont wrote this. I think Roy Thomas stepped in and was like, "I'd really like to finish the Magneto arc." So can we do this? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so at all. I think just this is early Chris Claremont. All right. He he has. There is no characterization of Magneto. It it has not occurred to him to be like I could I could make. Magneto, a multi-dimensional character. If I just throw in some ideas, no, he's like, ah, oh, let's use this Magneto guy. Everybody likes him, and we'll make him exactly the same. I, yeah, maybe he seems to have given some personalities to all of the other X-Men. You know, well, right, but he's also had a hand in creating them. I mean, they're they're blank slates. That's true. Now, he hasn't. To be to be fair, he hasn't really added anything to Cyclops. Yeah, maybe a little bit more emotionalness, but... But that was always there. He's yeah. just amplified it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, so Cyclops is worried because... Uh, well, Moira's like, oh, what are you worried about, Cyclops? The X-Men have handled Magneto plenty of times. You can do it again. Cyclops is like, the old X-Men could, but Magneto was a baby when the new team was formed. Professor Xavier and I never figured on facing him again, so we never trained the new X-Men to fight him. That was dumb. It was really dumb. Why, why not just train them to fight him? I mean, you never know. You, After all, Polaris is out there. Right. <laughs> she, she's a villain right now. Well, not only that. I mean, if you can train the new X-Men to defeat Magneto, then when some other miscellaneous mutant comes along who's not quite as powerful but is hell-bent on taking over the world as he was, you'll be able to handily deal with him. You would think it would be easy to develop a Magneto-type character in the Danger Room because they have all this stuff to go on. Exactly. Right. I mean, you know, all the, the strategies and, and uh, all that stuff, the, the tactics, they're, they're, all, they're all known. You just program that right in. But what I want to know is, so Cyclops... No, found out somehow that Magneto had been turned into a baby, even though, as I think the story goes, Professor had sent the X-Men out on a high-profile mission. And that's when he he got in contact with the Defenders about this whole Magneto thing, and that's when 
uh, Cyclops, or, I mean, Magneto was turned into a baby. So we can kind of say that that whole thing happened right before giant-sized X-Men, we think. Um, when did they have this conversation about, oh, man, while you guys were on that island, Magneto was turned into a baby. And Cyclops would have been like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's crazy. Where is this baby? Never mind, Scott. I have to go. <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. You can't let that go, Professor. Like, he's a. you just told me he was turned, a grown man was shrunk into a baby. Where is that baby? We should know where that baby is. I would like to monitor that baby. Never mind, Cyclops. Forgot I said anything. I got to go. Like, Mind wipe. <laughs> maybe that. There's nothing strange about Magneto turning in from a man to a baby. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is pretty normal. <laughs> okay anyways so yeah cyclops goes on to say they're good kids moira but against magneto they haven't a prayer and in fact it, it seems to be true as we get we get to see the x-men facing off against magneto and he immediately grabs wolverine by his claws well he magnetically grabs him by his claws and launches him across the room my claws they're pulling me into the wall yeah, so the dialogue here kind of leads us to believe that um, his only metal in his body are in his claws, right? Well, I, I think that's how it is at this point. Right. They haven't figured out the whole adamantium skeleton thing yet, so. I had another question. Does he have a healing factor yet or no? Not yet. Okay. Or at least it, it hasn't been established, no. All he has is claws and enhanced senses. Yep. Okay. Which we didn't get the enhanced senses until like a couple issues ago. Correct. When he killed the the uh, Gene Greybot. So then Colossus is all like, I'm going to get you. But then Magneto's like, you're made of metal. Not only are you completely useless, but you're basically my weapon against the X-Men. And he swirls them all around. Hey, why didn't he? Why doesn't he keep Colossus? Actually, he should just like swirl him in circles around him. Yeah, I don't know. He could be like in the middle of a giant Colossus tornado. He basically just does a quick loop with Colossus and then shoots him off to a wall. And that's when Storm jumps in and she's like, "Well, you've never met somebody like me. I'm Storm and I'm strong." And she throws a lightning bolt at him, but apparently Magneto's magnetic force is able to repel the lightning bolt. Magneto set up an interference field. He's hurling my lightning bolts back at me. Arg! Because lightning bolts are made out of magnetic fields and not electricity. Right? Uh, I, I, was, I was thinking that it was the interference field that was causing oh. the lightning bolts. Again, the lightning bolts are coming out of her hands. I don't know. So she can not only control the weather which she can she can officially i'm saying it here and now storm shoots lightning bolts out of her hands she can generate lightning from her hands that's pretty crazy power which begs the question why doesn't the light why does the lightning bother her but whatever <laughs> Arg! i thought like if relatives are immune to powers shouldn't you be immune to your own powers one would think. <laughs> well, anyways, Cycle, or, I mean, uh, Colossus gets hurled off into a different direction. He's still being hurled off from that whole magnetic throw. And he's having this whole thing like, I'm useless to the X-Men, but if I turn into Peter Rasputin, then I'll be, I won't have any powers. So there's only one thing I must do. I must be Colossus. And he hurls some metal at Magneto, which Magneto repels. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of planning in there, and then Magneto's just like, meh. Bumbling oaf. Did you think I was some novice to be taken so easily unawares? And then he tosses him through the wall and into the and into the, the ocean. Yeah, uh, and then some more metal wreckage is heading towards Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler teleports away in a very tiny bamf, by the way, not not this typical large bamf. It's a it's a bamf. It's a little cute bamf. But uh, Magneto, I guess we learned that he can sense disruptions along magnetic lines of force, and because of that, he can pretty much sense where he was, Nightcrawler, and where he will go. Which is cool, but I'm betting we'll never get used again. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. Just, just seems like we're inventing powers and inventing different things here. <laughs> As if Nightcrawler wasn't useless enough, he's probably the only person who would naturally be useful, useful against Magneto because he has no uh, magnetic property about him. And immediately they just get rid of that and make him completely useless. Yep. Banshee shows up and he's like, well... You're we're not done yet because I'm still here, um, but and you can't your powers can't affect me because I don't have anything magnetic based, which is what I was just saying for Nightcrawler. But, right. Oh well. Apparently they decided <laughs> to save that for Banshee, and so he screams at the floor underneath Magneto, causing him to fall through the floor. But it turns out that Magneto, like Polaris did in issue. 97 can fly has magneto flown yet no okay this is the first flying of magneto okay it took him turning into a baby and back again to to figure figure out he could fly and while he's flying he can also attack and he hurls more metal at uh banshee but banshee's not impressed he's able to repel the metal with his sonic scream if only Tons could win the day. I've got to keep him off balance till the other X-Men recover so we can then we can hit him together. Magneto is says, uh, well, you seem to be the best of these new X-Men, but hey, I creamed them and I'm going to cream you. And all I have to do is pull the ferrous particles from the wreckage from the very area, air and fuse them around your body. And he does so, and uh, Banshee becomes like a living statue of sorts, and he can't breathe, so he's dying. And it makes me wonder why he didn't do this to all the rest of the X-Men. He was just showing off. I guess so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and he does say, it's sealed within your form-fitting coffin. Your air is gone, and in a few minutes, your life will be gone as well. So Magneto, he's playing for keeps. Banshee hits the floor with a mighty clank. So, yeah, dust, uh, metal dust. Um, but that's okay. As he's standing there talking about man for man, they were stronger than the old X-Men yet. I've beaten them all. And that's when somebody from off camera says, not all butcher butcher. You haven't beat Cyclops. Zacked. Is it really fair to call Magneto a butcher? Well, he just butchered Banshee or he was about to. I mean, Butcher kind of, like, infers that you've, like, killed and sliced somebody up. He was about to launch, like, destroy an entire country way back in the first Brotherhood of Evil Mutants issue. Yeah, but I don't think he's actually killed anybody. 
I don't know. <laughs> he probably has, but I, I don't know. All right. Well, I can't remember anybody. <laughs> he shoots Magneto, but Magneto, uh, just in the nick of time, was able to put up a magnetic shield to deflect his blast. Again, it's an energy blast. Probably doesn't have a positive or a negative polarity, but whatever. This should have been a thought bubble, but Magneto says out loud, Ugh, caught me by surprise. I was careless, overconfident. I got my shields up barely in time to deflect this blast. That, that seems like a thought bubble to me. Yeah, uh, but it's indicated here that he was saying it aloud. Cyclops is like, what? what? <laughs> the hell's wrong with you, old man? Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so Cyclops, he's, he's stunned for all the good that does me. So he's shooting him with all of his strength, and there's not much time left, and he's starting to gather his wits. And with Eric the Red involved, I have a hunch there's more at stake here than just X-Men versus Magneto. So he turns away from Magneto, and he says, I must be getting old. I should have seen, since seen the pattern. The moment Banshee told me that Eric Red was behind the ambush at Cassidy Keep. Which I guess was done off panel. Yeah, because when have Banshee and Cyclops had a chance to talk? <laughs> they must have radio communicated. Okay. Oh, and by the way, Lassie, make sure you let Cyclops know that we were attacked by Eric the Red. Or we were attacked by Juggernaut and, and Black Tom, and it was staged by Eric the Red. Oh, I got to go. This message is getting a little long. <laughs> These international rates are killer. <laughs> Thanks for the hovercraft. Uh, Nightcrawler says, oh, for this, I, I gave up their jar marked. So. It's true. Uh, Cyclops feels that Professor X is the one who's truly a danger. So he tells Nightcrawler to head for the landing pad. You get, we got no time to waste. And he uses his damn eyes to very carefully destroy the metal encasing Banshee. Got to be careful. Even using my narrowest beam, I can't afford one false move. Damn these eyes! Again, it just reeks of Roy Thomas writing. <laughs> maybe maybe Chris Claremont plotted it, but I think somebody else scripted this whole issue. No, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think you're just you're used to later Chris Claremont. <laughs> we just haven't gotten there yet. All right. Well, the dialogue in this this issue particularly has been very dodgy. The other issues have been okay, but this one's been kind of hectic. But anyways, uh, Storm has gotten – she's she's awake now. I don't really recall what happened to her. Oh, she was struck by her own lightning. And she says that – she reminds Cyclops that they were ordered to go back to the X-Plane. Well, no, she says, Cyclops, Nightcrawler said we're ordered to go back to the X-Plane. Aren't we going to attack Magneto? No. What are you saying, lad? As soon as we find Colossus, we're pulling out and heading for New York. The blazes we are, bub. This fight ain't over. It is as far as we're concerned. Says who? The X-Men team leader, Buster. <laughs> do as I say or so help me, I'll blast you down and carry you out. Look, mister, nobody calls me Buster. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. But Cyclops gives up and says, Okay, Summers, you this round goes to you, but from now on... No, Wolverine gives up. Oh, well, I don't understand why he says from now on all bets are off. Like, next time you make me run, I'm going to gut you? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. 
As Wolverine walks by, a prisoner has escaped. He notices, huh? Oh, great. Looks like that bug-eyed broad's busted loose. And that's Dragonfly from, from the Animen episode. Well, here's what I was trying to figure out. Issue 95 was essentially the demise of Count Nefaria and the Animen. What was issue 96? And what, what was this bug-eyed girl in issue 96? I think it's a mistake. I think it is a mistake, too. I think what they're referring to is 95. Yeah, yeah. Because wasn't issue 96 the... Uh, the Nagari. The Nagari. Yeah. Uh, so she's busted loose. So we're opening up a plot line, I guess. Yep. And so we head to the X-Jet, which, by the way, does say X-Men on the tail. So that's kind of cool. Well, it's got to. <laughs> And uh, and uh, Cyclops is kind of like Wolverine gave in awfully easily back there. I almost wish he had tried to slug things out. Because that would waste some good amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Colossus has made his way out of the ocean, and he's wondering why they're not going to attack uh, Magneto. And Cyclops says, we don't have any time! Get on the plane! And he spends a lot of time telling everybody that they don't have enough time. Well... Essentially. Things clicked into place when Jamie told me Eric the Red had ambushed him. Well, actually not then. It was actually after I mag attacked Magneto. But you get the gist. Anyway, don't you see? First, Eric tried to kill the professor at Kennedy Airport. Then he used Juggernaut to try to lure Xavier to a death trap at Cassidy Keep. And now Magneto's back, stronger than ever. And all the X-Men are kept busy fighting him, leaving Professor Xavier unprotected. Technically, I could have stayed back at the lab or back with Jean Grey like I originally wanted to, but that's that's irrelevant. What is relevant is that's why we're heading home, because I think Eric's after the professor and we've got to be there to stop him. Hey, Summers, you can justify this to the day you die, but it won't change the fact that you made us run. You turned the X-Men into cowards, bub. That's something the Wolverine will never forgive. Never. And that's when Cyclops says, okay, we're dropping you off. You you <laughs> go get Magneto and we'll go back. Magneto's all standing in the midst of the uh, laboratory saying, they've gone. I fought the X-Men. Beat them all. They've run away, leaving Magneto triumphant. Why does this feel so hollow? <laughs> Yeah, and now I can go take over the world because the X-Men are, well, they got away, but I beat them, and I'll beat them again, so I guess. Booyah! He turns around, he walks away, and he doesn't notice a fine and private horror stirs and slowly comes awake, and that is Mutant X. It's actually just a door that says Mutant X on it. No admittance, security alert, danger seal broken, oxygen seepage in progress. Oh no, Mutant X breathes special oxygen. Everybody look out! <laughs> it's There's like a green mist glowing out of the door. Oxygen seepage. Is that a sign or is that like a computer display? And did somebody actually have to program seepage into it? I, it has to be a computer display because who put up the sign? <laughs> How long has it been up? Was it Jamie? He put it up a couple of days ago. He's like, uh-oh, oxygen seepage is in progress. I better write this down. We don't have a sign for that. <laughs> well, we get a scene shift across the face of the universe to the command deck of uh, of a Starjammer. What's a Starjammer? I have no idea, but I want one. <laughs> and it's a, it's a man in a 
red and blue costume with like an arrow on his chest, and he's got a bandana around his head. He looks like a Here's pirate. Red and blue. Mine's yellow and blue. Oh really? This That's is weird. Red and blue, and he's got like a yellow arrow on his chest. And he's got. It looks like a red fish. Oh really? Wow. And yep. he's got a red bandana. But that's, I think yours is colored wrong because Corsair is red and blue. He's not yellow and blue. Well, that could be. I don't know. And we have the same colorist. This person can't even keep one person straight. Although, you know, this is this this could be the first appearance having him just be the wrong color. That could be. And they later developed it. So maybe yours is the uh, yours is the later version because they colored it correctly. Correct. And then it would just be like uh, the princess what's-her-face from the last issue, which we don't ever get to meet. No, no, we do. That's her last name. Uh, I actually noticed that her name is Lelandra Naramani, and they uh, called her Princess Naramani. And then in the classic X-Men, they just recalled her Princess Lelandra because they figured, I don't know, maybe it'd be, it'd be easier to remember or something. Well, clearly it worked on me. Well, anyways, he's talking to a lizard man who's got a white chinchilla thing around his neck, and uh, his name is Chod. Is it Chod or is it Chod? I have no idea. It's Chod. Because there's that weird apostrophe in the middle of it. Chod. <laughs> I don't know. And he says, uh, this this man, who I, I just spilled the beans, his name is Corsair, uh, he says that the star, the nine stars are moving into alignment. And uh, Chaad refers to this man as Christopher. Are you afraid? And apparently, uh, if the Emperor goes through with his plan, if he opens up the dimensional gate, which I'm guessing is related to the nine stars moving into alignment, it'll be the end of everything. Oh, man. Even Chaad's little, um, little, little scarf there? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not a chinchilla. Maybe it's more of a, a, like, a like a white sloth. But it doesn't. It has way more toes than three, and by oh, way yeah. more, I mean one more. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mosquito sloth. And then it shift again to a parabolic orbit eight thousand miles above the Atlantic and starboard. We've seen before. It's the bug Starship ship we've seen before. Yeah, it's the ship we've seen. It's the bug ship, and the bug pilot is saying. I've reached, I've reached the earth, but my fuel is almost gone. There's barely enough for planetfall, and yet I must make it if the emperor, my brother, mad plan is to be stopped. Wait, sensors are tracking photon torpedoes, bracketing me. It's an imperial cruiser, and it's shooting to kill. It's an imperial cruiser, or is it the Enterprise firing at her? <laughs> well, the Enterprise does the photon torpedoes, but the Imperial Cruiser, they never did photon <laughs> torpedoes, so I don't know. This is like Star Wars meets... Star Trek? Star Trek, except the Star Wars hasn't been released yet. It's like Wars Trek. Wars Trek. Trek Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Once again, George Lucas stole the word, his words Imperial Cruiser. Totally. Well, isn't Star Wars out by now? No. No? It's 1977. It comes out in May, so it'll be out next month. All right. By this time, I mean, George Lucas is way into post-production, so I'm thinking that Chris Claremont stole a copy of the script at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He was on the set. Well, was there even an Imperial Cruiser in Star Wars, or did that not show up until uh, Empire? I don't remember. Well, what do you call the thing that that sucks up the, the Leia's ship at the beginning of the movie? Isn't that an Imperial Cruiser? Well, what's a Star Destroyer? 
Oh, that is a Star Destroyer. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I guess the, I don't know. <laughs> the Imperial cruisers are those things that are really long. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we're losing geek points. We better move on. Okay, shift again <laughs> to an apartment at Greenwich Village. Jean Grey is up and she says, Mom! <laughs> Professor Xavier, it's good to see you again. And you, Mr. Grey. And Misty Knight is also there. Hi. FYI. Uh, Eric the Red is outside the window. Look at them, so peaceful, just as they enjoy the last hours left in their pitiful lives. Even if the X-Men arrive in time, it'll do them no good. The die is cast. My final player, about to make his entrance. And when he does, the princess will be mine, and the X-Men and his X- or Xavier and his X-Men will be no more. Dun-dun-dun. Next issue. Phoenix, with a lowercase i, for no apparent reason. <laughs> Unleashed. Yeah, I guess it should be noted that uh, Polaris and Havoc are hanging out with Eric the Red outside of the apartment. Are they, like, flying, or are they in, like, the adjoining building on, like, the terrace or something? Oh, maybe they're floating. Who knows? <laughs> are they in a spaceship? Claremont just quickly opened up three new storylines, or continued three storylines, something like that. Yeah, plus he dropped those mutant X and dragonfly bombs. So there you go, X-Men 104. It's true. That's what it was. Uh, a letter in the X-Mail this month produces a letter from Joe Duffy, who uh, would later become a editor and writer for Marvel Comics in the 80s. Uh, and I believe Joe is a female, and I think this is her second letter. Oh, is it? I oh, think. Okay. I don't know. We should. We should have kept track of that and seen if her address changed. Oh, because <laughs> there's a chance she might still be there. We could mail her. <laughs> we could reverse stalk her. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Joe, did you know that you wrote the X Men twice? <laughs> She'd be like, "That wasn't me." Joe Duffy is an extremely common name. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sad. Well, um, we did get uh, our 35th iTunes review. True. And we got, we got, we're actually up to 37 now. We got three new ratings and two new reviews. And one of our reviews is from C Withers 190. He says, or she says, uh, great memories. Really look forward to and enjoy each week's show. Love listening to the boys review a series that I grew up with. Thanks, fellas. Keep up the great work. You're welcome. We're the boys. <laughs> Finally, somebody gets to call me the boys. <laughs> and we got another one from Thelron Goat. It says, exponentially better than any other comics podcast. As a blind listener... Oh. The guys bring this primarily visual media to life with their witty and heartfelt reviews. Finally, we've captured that visually impaired market. <laughs> uh, I think that this was uh, a listener who had written us before, Nicholas Hoekstra, who had mentioned that he was having trouble getting the iTunes rating on the screen reader. It appears that he has done it. Congratulations. Uh, Glad you were able to figure that out. Especially glad for the review. And uh, thanks for thanks for continuing to reviews. Now we have to make the push to 40. Oh, Adam. 
you said that you were going to rest once we got to 35. We got to 37, and now you're, you're just insatiable, Adam. You know. Well, that? that's the thing. If we if we had just gotten to 35, I would have been like, oh, we're we're at a cool you know number. It's 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 like right in the middle of 30 and 40. I'm down with that. But now we're at the 37, so like we're almost 240. Oh, so you you just can't rest if we're on like some weird number. Exactly. I I gotta feel that that, right. that drive that push to the next even slash odd middle. Gotcha. It's gotta be a, it's gotta be a, a, A it's gotta be a, it's gotta, it's gotta be a milestone number. Right. right, Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, listeners, if you want to check that out and be that 38th, 39th and 40th person, head out to the iTunes page, go over to the podcast section and type in danger room, uh, and uh, we'll we'll show up. I think we're the first hit if you type in Danger Room, and maybe like the fourth hit if you type in X Men, which really disturbs me because the first couple of hits on there are just like some old production podcasts from X Men First Class. So I think they're paying Apple money, and for some reason we're not we're not getting that love. We've actually been sliding down in the ratings. You used to type X Men, and we were third. Now we're fourth. For a while, we were fifth. But I think these new extra ratings that we just got brought us back up to fourth. Oh. So if we keep getting more ratings, this is my theory. I have no proof of this. We might actually get up to back up to third and then maybe even second. <gasps> and if we if we get like if we were to get like a hundred ratings in one week, I bet we'd be first. Wow. I, I yeah, that would that would that would be amazing. Uh, that that would be amazing, Adam. <laughs> it would be I don't know that that's gonna happen, but that would be amazing. We also got a letter, an email, I should say, from Jamie McCown, and he says that he just started listening to the podcast. Uh, the minute he saw what it was about, he started listening with episode one and is working his way through. He's at level nine, so he won't actually hear this shout out for, oh, I don't know, another six months or so. So when you get here, greetings from the future, or is it the past now? Anyways, he just says that uh, he was a kid growing up in the uh, early 80s when he was collecting comic books, and he misses going to small comic shows where he could buy silver and bronze age assortments for a quarter. I was a child of the 80s and was collecting comics back then, and I never was able to find silver and bronze age comics for a quarter. You were looking in the wrong bins. Clearly. Uh, so anyways, our podcast brings back memories for him. He hopes to get caught up soon. He's painting his house this summer, so this will be an ideal show to paint his house by. If we ever come out with like a poster or like a DVD collection, I wanted to say something along those lines. Ideal to listen to while painting your house. <laughs> and that could be like a little tagline. We could do it as a quote. Yes. His name could be underneath it. <laughs> I, I'm always curious to know what people are doing when they listen to the podcast, so that's cool. Yeah. Typically, uh, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts while I was at work. I don't do that so much anymore. I usually listen to podcasts uh, on my commutes in uh, to work and out of work. So I don't know. I imagine a lot of people are probably the same, or they maybe they do it on a run or a workout or something like that. Uh, but I maybe there's people that literally just go home, dim the lights, get some wine, put on a little bit yeah, of danger room. Start playing sexier music. <laughs> Listen to a little bit of danger room while they unwind from the hard day. And if you're that person, I think I might want to hang out with you, but I'm not sure. 
<laughs> I imagine there'd be lots of robes and candles involved, and I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. At any rate, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the question of the week. Uh, what are you doing while you're listening to Danger Room? And uh, if sex is the thing, then you get a prize. But you have to but, prove it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can't just do it because we said it. You have to have already done it at this point. Exactly. So... Uh, well, I mean, you, you if you want to do it, you can do it at this point. But, you know, you can't you don't have bragging rights. Right. It's it's up until this point. Well, the, the point but you, 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 get what you can totally do it, though. I mean, you know, if 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 you can convince your girlfriend or boyfriend that you want to uh, do do that while listening to two guys <laughs> ramble about the X-Men, <laughs> more power to you. I think that's awesome. <laughs> How did we get off in this topic? I don't know. We were. Uh, you can also visit us at uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast or follow us uh, on our Twitter feed at Danger Room Go or you can email us at uh, Danger Room at redcapproductions.com or you can visit our webpage at www.xmenpodcast.com for all of the episodes and the little panels that we post. Uh, or you could give us a voicemail, which really hasn't been utilized as much as we would have liked, but it's okay. It's fine. It's there for you if you choose to, and that's 501-GET-X-MEN. And actually, I think that nobody's left us a message because we haven't bothered to look up what GET-X-MEN is on the dial pad. So that'll be my task for next week. I, I thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> People are looking at their iPhones going, there's no numbers on this dial pad. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I really want to call this number, but I don't know how to type in Get X-Men. So there you go. And finally, we got a letter from Joshua White on the Facebook. And um, he says he just found the podcast and he loves it. He's he's read every issue of an X-related title and is currently rereading them all. That's a lot of time. Well, while I don't want to offend a, a new listener, I just don't believe that. <laughs> really? <laughs> there are a lot of X titles. Like, I had a similar goal. Like, I'm going to read everything X-related. And Well, he doesn't say everything X-related. He says everything with an X-related title. So he's not reading, like, Avengers or, or stuff because it has Beast in it. Like somebody's doing but he uh he is he, he's just reading like x-men x-factor new mutants i i buy it i, I buy it it's a lot of time though and i, I can't believe he's rereading it that that blows my mind i mean all the more power to you well yeah and if you look through um the catalog if you go to like um Oh, geez. Some of the comic book databases that are out there online and you just type in X-Men. I mean, there was a time when there was just X-Men, New Mutants and X-Factor and one could conceivably read and keep up with all the stories. But there are so many uh, three part stories, four part stories, five part stories that there's just so much content. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, I agree with you there. And that's why I feel like it's just so much time. Right. And like I've looked into like, well, OK, I want to collect everything from, I don't know, just pick a day, like 1985 until now. And you're like at first you're like, OK, it's pretty reasonable. We're looking at about 300 X-Men issues. But then you start looking at all the sub issues and there's there's easily two, three hundred of just, just miscellaneous uh, five part limited edition. Uh, I don't know. That's why you got to stop at. When Jim Lee's X-Men, you can pick up everything from 1985 until Jim Lee's X-Men. And then just stop? Yeah, because then you've got like 
you've got your X Factor, you've got your New Mutants, you've even got maybe, I think there was an issue of X Force that came out before Jim Lee's X-Men. You could probably skip that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's still plenty of stuff. Yeah, well... All right. I guess I won't say I don't believe our listener because if he says he did, then then by golly, our listeners have integrity and honesty. And so I, I believe he's read every even Ultimate X-Men and uh, X-Men Adventures, which is the comic book that was based on the cartoon series. Yeah, because, so, I mean, in order to read every X related title, you'd have to read those, too. And there was a series of free Pizza Hut uh, X-Men uh, comic books as well. I have one of those. I have three, and I don't know where they came from, to be honest. I have some Charleston Chew-related comic uh, books, too. That are X-Men? It's like an issue of Wolverine. I do not have those. Those sound awesome. On one side, it's Wolverine, and you flip it over, and it's Ghost Rider on the other side. Oh. So I had to get it. And they're like, you know what's more exhilarating than defeating bad guys? The chewy taste of Charleston <laughs> Chew. <laughs> mm, this stuff is chewy. <laughs> now let's get us some bad guys. <laughs> He also says he's currently listening to episode 15 while reading issue 113. Thanks, guys. Y'all helped me get through work. You are welcome. And you might as well you might as well start listening to current episodes as well as listening to back episodes. And then maybe you could, like, catch up to yourself. There you go. You'd meet yourself in the middle somewhere. Ooh. It'd be crazy. That's, that's sci-fi-y. Well, let's move this thing along into the craptacular extended extras section. Yay. <laughs> uh, so the cover, we're back to Art Adams giving us a cover, so that's kind of nice. Uh, it's Not a very good Art Adams, though. This is like subpar Art Adams. Wolverine looks good. Everybody else looks pretty well phoned in. Yeah, there's something different about this. I mean, the inside front cover is is good art, Adams. I guess there are just no cross hatches or something. Um, I like the inside because it looks a lot like um, the um, uh, Mike McNola from last issue. So heavy inking in this one, whereas the cover doesn't have. Maybe it's just bad inker. I'm not sure. So it's yet again another redrawing of uh, X Men number one this time with banshee and it's uh it's much closer to the original cover it's actually got magneto in the exact same position and cyclops is also in the exact same position uh wolverine is making the same swipe that iceman is making uh storm now replaces gene gray instead of colossus colossus now replaces uh angel and he's got the bazooka and, uh, <laughs> yeah no uh, no 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 bazooka and uh nightcrawler is replacing beast and now he's got the same hook that beast had instead of that little uh hoop that he had in the prior oh yeah cover that we talked about so it's kind of interesting you know it's interesting about colossus's muscly body if you follow the ink lines it looks like his uh pec muscle is a five Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if Art Adams is hiding numbers in his art. Maybe he's one of those kooky math guys, but uh, <laughs> there's definitely a five in his his chest. And I guess uh, Banshee is just added to round out the team. Well, yeah, because he's, he's a member, so. Yeah, yeah. Props, props to Banshee. And as we said, we open up, and uh, there's a, a very uh, foreboding, heavily inked uh, Magneto, which I think we both like. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. 
the cape is vaguely Spawn-esque. I guess I should say Spawn's cape is very Magneto-esque in this issue. True. <laughs> well, I think that I think that Art Adams, uh, you know, I think there's a certain lineage that Art Adams definitely begets Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and all those guys. Yeah. Whereas I think without uh, John Byrne, you don't have your Art Adams. Well, and without your Neil Adams, you don't have your John Byrne. I'm with so, you. It's interesting. And, you know, without your Jack Kirby, you don't have your Neil Adams. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. And that's why, you know, and I think you're you're leaving out Dave Cockrum because I don't think you like his artwork. But I think Dave Cockrum is also a uh, um, a a bridge from one generation of art to the next generation of art. Oh, he's definitely a bridge. I just I just don't know what he's a bridge to. Like, I don't I don't <laughs> see any. And then I don't mean it as an insult. I just like I don't see a direct link. I don't either because his art – well, we've already had this discussion. Let's move on. I, I see a closer link to Neil Adams uh, than anybody, any, any of the other people I named. Sure. Yeah, I could go with that. Um, but he's definitely done more issues of the X-Men than, than uh, Neil Adams. So, Yeah. yeah I don't know. Anyways, uh, the best way I was able to figure out which were the new pages was by looking at the lettering because apparently Ken Lopez – Letters are craptacular extra piece here on pages four to six. Oh, I was able to tell by the uh, the inking. <laughs> oh, yes, and the very different artwork. Yeah, yeah, well, that helps too. But mainly the inking over the Dave Cockrum art is very thick, mm-hmm. and the inking on the new pages is very thin. So, as you alluded to, when the boat crashes, we get to see what every member thinks. Yes. It takes like three pages. <laughs> this so originally the the boat is exploded and then the next panel they're walking up on shore, uh, but instead in the classic X Men we start off with Colossus who. What did you... we see what issue this was and when it oh, came out? I guess we didn't. This is issue eleven yes. of classic X. Or this is issue twelve of classic X Men. It came Oops, out in good thing I good thing I looked. It came out in August of nineteen eighty seven. Um, and so Colossus, he's, he's wondering what happened. It is if everything metal aboard the hovercraft is attacking us, which, you know, another, another bit of dialogue that just doesn't need to occur because Banshee's going to tell us this again in two pages. Like it didn't explode. Every piece of metal fell apart. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I didn't understand why this needed to be here at all. Well, I think somebody had signed a contract that they were going to add three pages to each issue. So they're like, well, here's as good a place as any. There's a blade uh, flying towards Colossus, and that's when he decides that only his armored form can save him. So we find out exactly what happened between his human form and his armored form. Hooray! Storm flies around and gets attacked by some metal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then she almost drowns. Wolverine dives in and... And cuts the metal off of her or pulls it off and, and then she he's worried that she's gonna drown, so he plants her a big kiss and thinks to himself, Hope this is as much fun for you, sweets, as it is for me, and that's when she punches him. Well, he took a big breath before going underwater. So the idea here is that he's transferring some of the oxygen from his lungs into her lungs, I guess. Right. Yeah. Which is noble of him, but then that stupid word balloon. Yeah. Hope this is as much fun for you, sweets, as it is for me, because I'm a dirty pervert. 
There's a couple of issues ago when I was going to rip all the Marvel Girls' clothes off. Yeah, you remember that? I'm dirty. I'm the Wolverine. I like boobies. (laughs) (laughs) So Banshee flies in out of nowhere and catches Nightcrawler for no real reason. And um, Nightcrawler tells Banshee about how he was going to teleport, but some force inhibited him. That's never followed up on. Nope. Nope. And they fly into a giant wave, and then we cut to a television screen of them uh, in the in the wave. The wave topples them over. Magneto's got some video cameras on the beach, apparently. And he's talking to himself, not thinking, but he's talking to himself. Uh, These are the new X-Men. Well, there's been some changes. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And here's where um, I've, we've said it before. We should say it again. Spoiler warning. Um, if you don't want to know anything about Magneto until we get to the parts about Magneto that we haven't uncovered, you really shouldn't be listening to this. All right. With that being said, what the hell does he give away? Uh, well, it's not so much in this page, but in the, the, the story follow-up. Oh. But what, he does, what he does give away is that he was, I have lived through one Holocaust, never again. Oh, right. And there's a picture that he sees on Moira's desk, which is where he's sitting. Uh, Xavier, you pathetic, sanctimonious fool, clinging to the mementos of the past as though they were talismans to ward off evil. And I think it's the Professor Moira and Magneto getting the picture. Right. So he gives away his relationship with Mag- uh, the Professor, which we haven't seen yet either. And again, this just doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm really going to be disappointed when the whole reveal that Magneto and the Professor were, like, friends comes out. Because Magneto has been such a cartoony, one-dimensional villain that I just know the story isn't going to be like, Oh, man, I've been so corrupted by my evil that I'd forgotten about our friendship and what you meant to me. And, well, you're still on the wrong path, and I I still have a different idea. But, man, we were good friends. Like, that's not going to happen. Like the professor is just going to tell him one day, like, well, Magneto and I used to be friends and Cyclops is going to say, what? And then that's it. That's all that's going to happen. Oh, of all the secrets you've kept from me, (laughs) this one just blows my mind. But I'll keep following you, you crazy senile bastard, because that's what I always do. Like, that's what it's going to be. And I'm going to be so let down. Uh, Anyways, he shapes uh, a piece of inanimate metal that he found on the desk into the face of um, Professor Xavier and then crushes it. And then he just blabbers on and on and on about their ideologies and how they differed and how he's not a one-dimensional villain. And then we turn the page and he's back to being a one-dimensional villain. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, we cut back to the original issue already in progress with them climbing up onto the shore. So, again, if you were really wondering what happened between the boat exploding and them crawling on shore, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. (laughs) X-Men. All right, so let's get to the backup story, which is called A Fire in the Night. This is just an interesting side note. It's not really a change, but... Instead of referencing old X-Men issues, they reference old classic X-Men issues. Oh, that's clever. So they might have gotten the Bug Lady uh, one right. Classic X-Men number four. 
See, classic X-Men number one would have been giant size. Classic two would have been 94. Classic three would have been That's 90. still wrong. Maybe she was in that issue and we just don't remember. Maybe there's like a one-off panel. Where they're all going to prison or something. <laughs> I don't think that that's right, but well, maybe. Okay, well, anyways, like I said, this uh, next story is called A Fire in the Night, and it is a Magneto story. And it is shortly after he has defeated the X-Men, uh, he has decided to go to Paris. And uh, yes. I'm curious, he was just turned into a baby and then reverted back to a man. He can't have a wallet. He can't have any sort of identification. So how does he have a hotel room to stay in? Well, he's Magneto. He just flew up to the window and got in. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that this room, according to the clerk downstairs, is vacant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I can buy that. I'll buy that. Uh, strange that the the newspaper says Magneto escapes worldwide manhunt mounted for mutant terrorist. Who... Who is reporting this news? How do people know that, like, what is the, is the article like, Magneto, formerly a baby, is now an adult again? <laughs> well, this comes from the unprecedented journalism of the International Herald Tribune, Adam, as it clearly says in the newspaper. Yeah, I don't know. It, it makes me wonder where the exact timeline of this is. I mean, they do refer to him as being a baby. Sure, like, not very long ago. I guess it doesn't specifically say a few weeks or days, but I just extrapolate that from the newspaper article and the fact that he is, well, the dialogue here says that I was a baby and now I'm an adult. All right. Well, it, there there is a caption that says, months ago, yet another plan to achieve world domination had failed miserably. And as a consequence, the master of magnetism found himself transformed into an infant, helpless prisoner of his arch rival, Professor Charles Xavier. Then, miraculously, another of Xavier's foes, a being who called himself Eric the Red, had, for reasons of his own, restored Magneto to the prime of his life. The peak of vitality and strength. So, the peak of of Magneto's life was when he was, like, 50? Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) Wouldn't you want to return to, like, 20? That's when you're supposed to be, like, virile and strength and stuff. I do think this story, oh yeah, in the in the first panel on this second page, it says he is older than he looks. So he's actually like 12. <laughs> okay. So he is dreaming of the Holocaust. His dreams begin with Auschwitz and it, Magda. As always, the dreams begin with Auschwitz and Magda. It's a it well so I mean we could go we'll go through it but I mean it's a good story all in all I mean I think it's worth reading but there's a, it's a lot of dialogue a lot of narration um, to, to describe it he basically he saves this woman's life Magda from a Nazi soldier who looks like he's about to shoot her and the two of them escape from Auschwitz they live off the land for a little while well what's interesting here is that it's at the end of the war so uh he says that he's been here the whole time he survived the whole time and it's towards the end of the war and uh many of the guards are just killing people so that there's no uh witnesses uh mm. for for the crimes that they may be brought up upon so and actually, if you watch Schindler's List, I think that's kind of what was going on towards the end of that movie. They're just like, kill all the Jews. We surrender in 24 hours, so kill them. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I think the Magneto stuff has always been very uh, historically accurate. Yeah, Did you yeah. ever read the Magneto Testament? 
No, I didn't. It's it's interesting. It, it um, it's a four part mini series about Magneto's time and his family in the Holocaust, and it's very historically accurate. But it also is very uh, comic book accurate. Yeah. It, and it references every issue that has referred to Magneto and corresponds it to an actual historical uh, timeline, which it's, it's interesting. Neat. What's it called? Magne- Mag- Mag- the, Magnetic? the Magneto Testament. Huh. I'll have to check that out. It's a four or six part series. I don't remember. It's very sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like yeah. it's very difficult to uh, uh, tell a good to tell a heartwarming, funny story <laughs> about the uh, end of World War Two when it's involving the slaughter of millions of people. Well, you know, there was that one movie that won an Academy Award. Oh yeah, Life is Good. Yeah, Life called? is Beautiful. Life, Life is. is... I had that Italian guy. Yeah, Roberto Benigni. There you go. Anyways, we've uh, we we digress. Uh, so they escape and they uh, keep each other warm. And Magda's like, "I don't want to live. Everybody I know is dead. I just want to die." But Magneto says, "You know what? I'm going to keep you safe. Life is going to be okay. We'll get back." And they do. They manage to find work in a mountain community, and they get married, and they they learn to laugh again, and they learn to love, and then they have a daughter named uh, Scarlet. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Anya. Yep, Anya grows up, and she's a very uh, curious little girl, and she asks questions about everything. And Magneto has sworn that. He would never let uh, the world make her suffer the way it had him and Magda. But uh, as the as it is, uh, oh, also Magneto, uh, he had an insatiable uh, thirst for knowledge. So he studied and he read and he was going to, I don't know, go to university or something like that. But in the meantime, in the Soviet Union, he finds a construction job because there's rebuilding that needs to go on. And the Ukrainian city of Vinitsa. And while he's there, he does, you know, he does, uh, his family's like, oh, you shouldn't go. We're so scared. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. And so he goes off to do his construction job. And uh, apparently the man who hooked him up with the job was like, yeah, I deduct my commission. You walk, uh, comrade, you do things my way. And Magneto uses his his undiscovered powers at this point for the first time, where he hurls a crowbar uh, magnetically at the man's head. And that's when the man's like, here, take it all. Take every ruble you've earned. And Magneto's kind of like, wow, the crowbar. I was, I was so angry. I wanted to lash out at him. But did I make it move just by thinking about it? Impossible. Madness. Yet, then how do I explain what happened? So he, he, he thinks, he walks, he, he gets back to his house and the, 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 the place where they live, the apartment or wherever uh, building is, is burning down. And he bursts in to try to save his wife, who's at, at, the, at, the, at the foot of the stairs, uh, but she can't get up to their room. She left their child uh, sleeping when she went shopping for food. And got back, and the house was on fire, and neither of them know what they're going to do. And then the uh, the ceiling collapses on them, and Magneto creates a magnetic bubble. This has got to be like a uh, Holocaust aside. This has got to be the second worst thing that's happened to Magneto. 
Oh, that, I, I, yeah, I don't know. This might be, I, I don't know who can, who can, who can say which is worse. I'm just saying like, this is a bad day for him. He goes to work, puts in a hard day's work. The man tries to take like all of his money. He gets his money, but then he goes home and his house is on fire. Like, yeah. And it's about to get worse. Well, yeah. So he discovers that he has this magnetic bubble and he wonders maybe it can save our child. And he's about to go up to there, like, figure out a way. He can't figure out how to use it. How do I make this power work? Do I desire a thing with all my soul? And somehow the power makes that wish come true? And he hasn't. He can't figure out how to get up to save his, his little girl. And um, then the crowd grabs him and says, There he is. Grab him. You're under arrest, comrade, for extortion and assault. And it turns out it's uh, that guy that he was working for who he manipulated the crowbar at has come to have him arrested, which is, I don't know. this is kind of unbelievable. Like the police are going to be like, Oh, this guy inside this burning house, let's arrest him. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, sad enough, there's a girl upstairs who's screaming, Baba, I'm burning. I'm on fire. But these policemen are more interested in clubbing, uh, Magneto for, the crime of stealing a few rubles rightly deserved rubles and uh his daughter essentially uh burns to death it's pretty awful <laughs> it is pretty awful um, and uh the 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 guy who ripped him off uh is there and says waste of breath comrade nobody here will risk life or freedom for an obvious enemy of the state well actually you know what what's even worse uh Right after he says that, there's a, 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 a panel of a crowd looking at the burning building and, like, some flames jumping out the window. Do you suppose that's his flaming daughter jumping out the room window? It it totally is because, oh as God. we see on the next page, she is, a, a like, a cinder crisp at his feet. Does he? This is horrific. I know. It's terrible. Condonances. Uh, Magneto freaks out, and we don't see how. He just – he goes – no, no, no. And everything turns black. And all of a sudden we cut back to him with his, his bird daughter at his uh, feet, or I guess he's kneeling and everybody else is dead around him. Except for Magda, who is completely freaked out. You threw lightning from your eyes. What? How did he do that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he has powers. I have powers, Magda. They rescued a, they, rescued us they might have saved anya instead they avenged her they you are not human and she runs away you are not the man i loved you've become a monster and that's when magneto wakes up yep from his dream and he oh god oh my god i had forgotten how much that moment hurt so basically i mean this is just all of these memories flooding back to him as he's reverted from child to adult, which is a neat idea. Yeah. Uh, he looks across the street as he gets up out of bed. Nice, uh, you know, he's just wearing his underwear, walking around. <laughs> and and literally, like, the building across the way is on fire. And he's like, oh. And, it, and there's a mother and daughter in the window, and he's like, ah, you know what? This reminds me of something, but I don't care. I care only for my own people. Homo sapiens superior, mutant kind. They are merely human. This is explained because he wakes up and he's like, oh, 
I smell smoke. That must have been what triggered that dream. So I guess it, uh-huh. it's not just a crazy coincidence. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, the, there's a woman who's, who's she, she's kind of given up. She's talking to her kid like, all right, have faith. Something will happen. Don't worry. Just hold on tight. And then she thinks to herself, well, I'm just going to jump out this window and maybe my body will shield my baby from the impact. So she's willing to sacrifice her life for the child. Man, this is a dark story. Yeah, this is really dark. <laughs> Chris Claremont on his really dark side here. He follows up the issue of, oh, I'm so depressed with, <laughs> oh, the world is awful. Here are these awful things that happen, uh, and then we're going to put them in the superhero context. Well, Magneto is showing that he is not just a one-dimensional, uh, Earth-taking-over character, floats in on his magic bubble because he's changed his mind, asks the two to get into his bubble, and takes them safely down to the street. Yep. He saves them, and they they say, I can never repay you for the lives of those I cherish. And he says, actually, monsieur, you can, by telling the world how your family was saved by Magneto. Magneto the terrorist. Magneto the supervillain, Magneto the mutant, Magneto the snappy dresser. <laughs> Remember me always, monsieur. I could have let them perish, but I chose life. You may be all things you said, monsieur, and more besides. And first and foremost, you have proved yourself a man. <laughs> because Magda had called him a monster. Right. Yeah. And that's the end of uh, that story. The next story will be called Lifeline. Ooh. Yay. So, anyhow, yeah, I mean, the great great backup story. Uh, and actually, I don't really have any complaints about that one. I mean, it, that totally could have happened and probably did happen. I have a feeling it's going to get retconned, though. Yeah? Yeah, because I think Magneto ends up using his powers earlier. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of the movies. Yeah, I'm not really sure. We'll have to wait and see. And I honestly didn't know. Oh, wait, Magda. I feel like there's like a reconnection with Magda some somewhere, but maybe not. I, I'm, it's been a while. I don't remember. Well, he obviously meets somebody else and has some more kids. Or does he? No. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyways, there you go. There's, uh, there it is, X-Men 104 and Classic X-Men number 12. Yep, and I read some more Avengers issues, and I'll do a quick recap. I read issues 144 and 147 through 149, because 145 and 146 take place in a different time period and don't feature Beast as much, but whatever. Anyway, where we left off, um, the Avengers were invading the uh, what was it? the Brand Corporation, and Beast had brought along Patty Baxter, who was now Patty Walker, and because uh, I guess she divorced Buzz Baxter. You'll remember them from the Amazing Adventures. Yeah, because Buzz Baxter turned evil. Right, and it turns out that Patty. Is it Patty or Patsy? I don't know. Patty Walker is actually one of those romance comics. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Like, from way back, there was, I guess, there was a Patty Walker. And because they refer to like issue 153 of where I guess she meets Buzz Baxter and they get married or something. That's awesome. 
So I was like, oh, this is super cool. <laughs> more awesome is uh, th while they're invading the uh, brand corporation, uh, they managed to escape last last issue they had left and they were trapped. But they, they of course, get loose. And as Patty Walker and uh, Captain America and Iron Man are walking around, they discover a costume that's just like sitting there. It's a woman's costume. And uh, it's revealed to be the costume of the cat, who I guess had like a four-issue miniseries in the early 70s or late 60s. And the cat turned out to be uh, Tigra. She mutated into an actual cat woman. Huh. So that's interesting. But even more interesting, Patty Walker, uh, Captain America says, hey, Patty, you should put on this costume. <laughs> and she's like, yes, yes. And then she has a flashback revealing her entire life where she was part of that Pat, Patty Walker magazine or Patsy Walker. I, I should really look that up. But um, she also reveals that the part of the beast scene where she wakes up beast and he reveals that he's Hank McCoy mm -hmm. to her. Mm -hmm. There's this part that we didn't get where she says, I will keep your secret. <clears throat> I will keep your secret from everybody, uh, including Buzz Baxter. But, only if you help me become a superhero. <laughs> uh -huh. And she's like, I don't care whether you just give me a costume or you give me some sort of secret potion, whatever you got to do. And so Beast is like, all right, I, I guess I'll help. And then he disappears uh, and goes off to Canada and whatever. And that's why she's been tracking him down. And that's why he allowed her to come on on this mission. He was hoping that she would not be, uh, she, would, she would get scared by the superhero life. And the costume imbues her with like extra superpowers and stuff. So now she's Hellcat. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's pretty much it. The, um, the Avengers get sent into the Squadron Supreme uh, world where they uncover a very similar, the, the president is uh, Nelson Rockefeller mm. and he, uh, Captain America uncovers a similar, uh, nixon-esque political scandal okay and they manage to get safe and, and come back beast saves scarlet which is life and they end up um everybody ends up coming back uh to the brand organization which has been taken over by the roxon company and uh they have a giant orca superhero <laughs> fight thor and it's kind of silly and uh she uh, Patsy Walker convinces Buzz uh, through through sheer violence to rescue the rest of the Avengers, and the Avengers, uh, having been captured, now rescued, are are make their way and save the day. Wow! And defeat the brand, the evil brand corporation, and it's left off that. Well, well, I guess we I guess we better decide who the new members of the Avengers are going to be, and to be continued. Oh, so we don't know if Beast is an Avenger yet. No, oh, no man. idea. <laughs> so do you think they let him live in the mansion while they're still trying him out? No, they have like a little shack out back. <laughs> That's the newbie shack. You, 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 you'll be out there. We'll, we'll bring bowls of milk out for you three times daily. Beast <laughs> mm, like milk. <laughs> Good for fur. <laughs> All right, then. Well, Adam, anything else you want to add to this one? No, I think we've uh, we've we're running out of time. So, do her up. 
I think we've overstayed our welcome. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And until next week, the danger room is closed. Couldn't be bad, Matt.